1: In the
0: year of the the primal... Hello hello it's good to be back Good to be back. Did you miss me? I think I probably made that joke at the beginning of last year or the beginning of the previous year or perhaps it was in 1978 when I um, you know toured opened up for Gary glitter, let's say. Boom! take that anyway what am i talking about welcome to agitators anonymous i'm alan averill your hostess with uh, pretty much the leastest and here we are entering another year last week's podcast and um, the day after the uh, death of philinet back in the day was a chat with addy from Fear about thin lizzie um seems like somehow we mixed up Uh, The release dates of Johnny the Fox and Jailbreak got them back to front. They were actually only um, released six months apart, which shows uh, a lot of bands in the 70s did that. Uriah Heep, Judas Priest, um, UFO. As I remember, they released ACDC, two albums in one year. Uh, And it took us five years to make the new primordial album. Well, from the last one. This one, this podcast is not about heavy metal. It's not about looking back over the last 12 months or looking, um, you know, projecting to the next 12 months a bit about what might happen in the music industry. And this one is going to be about the politics It's going to be about politics. It's going to be about social stuff, I suppose, a little bit. So if you hate that, time to switch off now. If you're listening because you hate me or you think you do, but you don't really, um, you know, keep listening. You might find you agree with me on some things. Like I said, as always, skepticism is the rational perspective and freedom of speech above all else is very important because when it's gone, it's gone. Um so this one is just about I suppose um it's not going to be particularly positive because you know you've you've heard the <laughs> you've heard the previous 180 something episodes and I'm not in a power metal band what can I do um that's just how I look at the world and also aren't we just drawn to the dark things they're just much more interesting it's much more interesting mulling over the mulling over the carcass mulling over the uh, dismembered remains than um well whatever else you know uh, that's just what we're drawn to. So it makes for a more interesting podcast. And also, I suppose it's just part of the way of the world right now that we are. Um, it's harder to be positive, considering the state of many things. And people look around and go, OK, you're trying to tell me that things somehow are better off. Well, you know what? Mm. Having read and listened to a lot of podcasts about 19th century and Victorian living in the poor, I'd say we probably are. Maybe we're whinging about too many things, including this podcast. But however, it is what it is. So as ever, the podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com and you can use the promo code aa twenty twenty four. That being the year that we are in, follow the links below and use the promo code and you can get 10% off over at IndieMerch.com. Which, like I said, um, and this is going to come up in the Metal Podcast, which will be released next week, the cost of um, doing business, the cost of posts, the cost of shipping, the cost of all these kind of things is just so exponentially crazy. The 10% off could mean the difference between you buying... Um, Uh, That olive green bastard version of the primordial album and a nice treat for yourself or just getting the uh, primordial vinyl on its own and no treat. That's what I'm here for. Offering up treats. Yes, indeed. Like the tour with Gary Glitter. Anyway, perhaps I shouldn't have gone there. Well, you know, I was young. I'm foolish and needed the money. What can we say? So um, if you get to the end of the podcast, there will be a an ad for a band called Wind Throw. It's kind of cool, dark, pagan metal. Um, for the next couple of weeks, they're going to be uh, sponsoring the podcast. And there's going to be a few other uh, bands' um, songs. I'm probably going to maybe do a special Tuesday podcast for each one where I just throw up a song and go, if you want to listen, have a listen. Um, if you're in a band out there and you think this might be an interesting way to promote your... Promote your band or whatever. You've got a tattoo shop. You've got something, you know, we have a we have a captive and captured audience um, out there. And uh, yeah, seems like there is some some click through rate um, it does reach some people. So get in touch with me. All right. So like I said, I've got two episodes in the chamber. One is about metal, the underground and music, I guess, in general, what might we might be looking at um, in the next 12 months about where things might go. And I suppose one of the themes of that podcast um, can apply to this podcast, to where the world or society, whatever we may call it. Um, but I think things are just going to keep gathering more and more speed. They're going to keep getting faster. I think that um, things are going to get more frenzied and more chaotic. So let's leave the musical one till next week and concentrate on, well, you know, the world, the simulation, the, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and look at the things that might come to prominence over the coming year sort of I mean making predictions is a fool's errand because you always end up with egg on your face the proverbial egg on your face um, the primordial zygote or whatever you want to call it Um, and that album by Judas Priest Nostradamus it's not great is it it's not the best idea to be tethered to too much in a chaotic world, but pre- and try and predict things, um, pr- try and predict things with any sort of um, exact exactitude. Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is that a word? Exactitude, um, pres- yeah, precision. That's a better word. But chaos seems to be sort of a no-brainer. Um, If over the last couple of years I've discussed us being literally in a state of social media derangement, there's nothing really out there to suggest that we're going to take our foot off the pedal. I mean, I would suggest it. I would suggest cutting down on everything you can uh, for your own mental health. But I think the polarization that we are witnessing in the world with so many elections looming is only going to get worse. With the U.S. election um, looming more over Um, all of us, than than the rest of the world and maybe any time in history. And I think that that does speak to, I suppose, on some level, the lack of statesmen or stateswomen in European politics right now. I mean, you look at the problems in the Middle East. Who are we sending as our our best and brightest to try and, um, you know, as envoys to try and figure things out? We're sending, what, Macron? I mean... Are we? Really? Once Merkel left the stage, you felt that there was a huge power vacuum and it's yet to be filled in European politics, I think, when it comes to um, strong characters that have an incredible amount of leverage. And that's one of the reasons I think a lot of the Eastern European countries are beginning to step up and make much more noise um, in opposition to, let's say, the more Western side of um, European politics. Because there's not many bulwarks of... Um, statesmanlike tradition that are left in Western politics. And so, therefore, the US election looms over us heavier. Um, are all these Tim Pool type YouTubers, um, who, let's be honest, are relatively captured by their audience and need those ultra dramatic headlines, are they right that the country might lurch into a form of open conflict? I mean, most of my friends, um, sometimes a good barometer is, I speak to Johnny, the drummer from Dread Sovereign, um, the most beloved man in um, the whole of metal. Uh, and he tours the US with such frequency that he gets a great barometer of what's happening in the US. And he just goes, you know what? Um, underneath all the the headlines, uh, people are just living their lives. And yeah, there's a chaos and poverty and a lot of difficult things and dark things going on. But that people are out there living their lives and the polarization is not as bad, which is, of course, part of the social media derangement in that everything is just so dramatic because that's what captivates us that's what brings us into the attention economy has to be a dramatic headline um and are they right that the country might lurch into a form of open conflict hard to say but the idea that either side of the debate uh to a percentage is going to accept with grace the outcome i think seems very unlikely Positively naive, indeed. As it gets closer, though, I think we're going to begin to see the effect of AI and deep fakes. And I think that's going to be a recurring theme of uh, the next year, which is the chat GPT influence on not only just harvesting jobs or culling jobs and being used for um, so many creative things, um, but when everyone has, or at least the people cognizant of the uh, technology, have the ability to to create um, these deep fakes just on their phone that can be used in reels. You know you, you know yourself that so many people's intake of the news is informed by reels and short, sharp 15-30 second moments on platforms like Instagram where kids are informed by other kids over on TikTok, TikTok or whatever. TikTok, he says. Um, who wins the war? Who does win the war of information? These short, sharp barbs might win. But what is going to be faked, or real and called fake, might uh, might be one of the main stories this year. Uh, with There's no doubt about it. Never before will an election be fought like this one, I think, where the technology is here now, more or less for your average person to fake a news conference and put it in line. Uh, China invading Taiwan. Or did they? Or did they not? Right. That could be another thing that happens. Who knows? I mean, lately in my own reels and in instagram um as i try and cut out the death scrolling as they say uh, which i advise because it can just suck suck the life out of you um, tons of reels about german farmers protesting is that real how do i check i had to message a friend in germany to go is this is this true is this real Um, Where do you go to check other than maybe you might know someone in the area and go, hey, are there hundreds of German farmers gathering to protest against, um, you know, the state trying to uh, take ownership of private farms or um, whatever you want to say? Where do you go to check? Who do you trust? And with trust in the media at an all time low, and I have to say kind of justifiably so, I mean, it's it's owned by a fewer and fewer people with particular agendas and we've seen the replacement of um, what would have been once blue-collar journalists with um, journalists or activism, journalism, whatever you want to call it. It seems so much of it is compromised or lobbied or editorialized before it even reaches you. Who do we trust with this information? I've said it many times on the podcast, but having no shared vision of reality or the news before we get to the threat of AI or deep fakes is what might be our undoing. We cannot agree on literally anything uh, body cam footage of executions becomes disputed um, if most politics is now simply performative and I sense it is oh Alan it always was yeah yeah look I get it I get it on some level people said to me oh we were never really free and then I say you know what it's it's again it's not a black and white argument it's not a zero or hundred percent argument um, are we freer than we were five years ago before? you know say the pandemic and lockdown the answer is i think no are we freer than we were um you know 10 years ago probably not are we freer than we were um, perhaps in you know the 19th century then yes most likely but you know it's 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 there's a nuance and context that is um that's just people just not, are generally not willing to try and um dissolve into into the that you know, tall glass of water that is uh, all the things they're taking in that day. But if most politics is simply performative, then the culture war is just like an endless series of rehearsals before we get to the opening night. Truth itself um, has become subjective and the idea that some uh, somehow someone you oppose might be right about something has become uh, more or less anathema to how we live right now. It's hard to see how we bridge that gap. As I said to a friend the other day, if the powers that be, uh, let's call them that, the powers that be a good name for a power metal band actually probably the powers that be um i'm open for um you know um singing suggestions for the year so maybe i can finally um you know bring something positive back to the world and get that power metal album i've always been talking about um on the go however let's call them that this is the the successful... They successfully divide and conquer society. Feed... Uh, this is what, in my opinion, most of this stuff is. A smokescreen. Feed in culture war, grist to the mill, and we all just fight over the scraps of that. Um, it's just a distraction from real issues. But if we cannot acknowledge that someone... You consider yourself on some issues opposed to, that they might be right, even on occasion. And it could be about, um, you know, maybe a, a conservative financial opinion is the most... Um, reasonable thing to do uh, in a a sort of economic situation. No, can't have that. Then we're pretty much sunk. Uh, We don't have to accept the entire raft of beliefs handed down to us from either side of the culture war. They say, and this is quite telling, and I think you can do this, they can say, they say, not they can say, they do say, they say that you can more or less tell someone's politics simply from a shopping receipt. The shop, the area, the time, the price, the type of coffee even you order from a coffee shop says a lot about your politics, and sadly, this it seems kinda true. Um, it doesn't seem that wrong. We just have to begin. We have to begin choosing from loads of different columns, not just column A and column B. But what the fuck do I know? Like I said, I'm just a dumb heavy metal singer. That said, three words you are going to hear a lot more this coming year are dismiss and malinformation. Do you know the difference? Right. Let's take a look at that. Misinformation is false information that is spread regardless of intent to mislead. Put a flag um, in the second half of this definition. It will be important later. I'm looking at um, a a reasonably trusted definition online. Um, And it goes on. The spread of misinformation happens every day in our lives. Uh, false information about a country's military strength or plans disseminated by a government or intelligence agency. Okay, this is a little bit different. But dis- uh, misinformation. This is just basically, I think, simply putting out um, details that are false. Um, and but it seems a little bit more benign, a little bit no more naive. You could you could share a post of something, um, you know, and. Maybe not every detail in it is true. Um, I mean, some people would say this podcast maybe have has some misinformation in it. Um, disinformation is a little bit more uh, serious, I suppose, by gradation, uh, because it is um, knowingly, intentionally spread. Misinformation seems to be a bit more naive. Disinformation is intentionally spread. Um, and the first definition of misinformation kind of gives a reason why this might happen. Um, now there's another one that I think is going to become much more important, and that's malinformation. Malinformation. Have you heard about this one? Um, malinformation would appear to be, from the outside looking in, this is the sharing of content uh, designed only to cause harm. But the definition here seems to be um, harm towards a state, an agents, an agency, a state body, um, almost. As if it's been created and designed in order as a word to call what you might call speaking uh, a truth to power, if that power decides that they do not like it. It's malinformation. Um, it's aimed at a government or aimed at a governmental body. But what could this mean? Um, because I see there's going to be a big crackdown online over the next 6, 12 and beyond months. Now, Alan, you might say, of course we do need less misinformation in our lives. Of course we do. I mean... Maybe some of you saw <laughs> all those reels about aliens landing in a mall in Florida and it turned out to be like 50 kids with firecrackers or something. I, I don't know. It's a crazy story. And what has it got to do with me? Why am I hearing that? Why? That's the problem with so many things is that these stories just get um, hacked up and sent out. And all of a sudden, you across the other side of the world has nothing to do with you get to hear these daft stories. Now, then again, you, um, you sort of lay that story against the official stories now coming out from governmental agencies about aliens. You've seen many, many people, probably on the Joe Rogan podcast, openly discussing, um, you know, the uh, backworking of technology found from alien crap. I mean, it's enough to break your brain. Is it a PSYOP? Is it another distraction? Could this really actually be true? Again, it's so confusing. But my point with all of this kind of stuff is when we consider miss, dis and malinformation, the main point of all of these things, and this is the Orwellian ideal, is who controls the decision making that decides this, who arbitrates this, who makes the decisions, who considers what is mis and disinformation, the government. Do you trust politicians? Do you trust the political class? Um, to maybe crack down on what they consider misinformation that harms their objectives. Their objectives, which could be, and we know are, financed or lobbied by third party actors, such as, let's say, Big Pharma or oil companies, or fill in the blank for whatever it is that you dislike, um, or whatever it is you think um, I don't talk about that I should. Um, fill in that blank about mis and disinformation. Um, Because that's the whole point, the divide and conquer nature of all of this has us at each other's throats about so many things. But consider, um, perhaps you're sitting here listening to this in Sweden um, and you're going, well, come on, surely you're being over the top. But if you're sitting here listening to me um, in, um, you know, an African country or a Far Eastern country or a South American country that has a, um, a form of dictatorship, um, or Middle Eastern country. I get many messages from Middle Eastern people. Um, if you're listening to this in Iran, you're listening to this under a dictatorial, um, authoritarian, um, you know, religious regime um, who are in control and who shut down opposition and wish to control all of those three things, miss, dis and malinformation. And if you criticize the government, you might be accused of all three and end up in a very brutal way. This is true. So... If you're sitting there listening to me in a leafy suburb of Copenhagen, Stockholm, thinking that somehow, um, you know, uh, this is just, um, you know, uh, conspiracy theory, scaremongering, consider that democracy is not the default setting of society and that these tools can be used um, to suppress free speech and debate and um, the other side of many things. But try and put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's sitting here listening to me in Tehran um, and I know there are people out there who do. So, um, or who've escaped from Iran or who've escaped from an authoritarian regime. And that, um, it, you know, these rules and regulations pave the way for these things. And this is where it all gets a bit dark. I haven't mentioned it in a long time as everyone was fatigued, but the pandemic and lockdown showed us this. It was clear that informed debate was shut down by the state and platforms, digital platforms, and that pharma certainly had an objective and that. Uh, that was making money, um, and that's not a commentary on vaccines or vaccination. Um, but we were lied to on many levels, and we were. And things that could have got you deplatformed, unpersoned, um, yet now are considered demonstrably true. They were shut down, yes, or yes. I think even if you were out there giving me a hate listen or trying to find something you disagree with to pillory me, me with you could you could see and agree. This moment proved a lot, I think. And if you live already in an authoritarian society, you might be out there um, giving us in the West the, and I told you so, be careful, um, some malinformation would appear on the surface to be information that the state or government deems harmful to it. And if you follow my words, you might have listened to the one about the new Irish hate speech bill, which I'm opposed to, which more or less criminalises intent and places the burden of proof um, of innocence on the accused, i.e. you have to prove Maybe something you have privately does not have hateful content and the cops can go through your, well, who knows, everything. Technically, could this be music? Could this be songs I've written? Could this be lyrics you've written? Um, A play you've written? The arts, dissident art that is hateful, I kid you not. These things are defined by it. The state can act, let's say, let's call the state the monarchy to your Marxist blog post which wants to tear it all down, I'm on your side by the way, and arrest you for hate speech all in the name of safety. Or protecting you from harm of course no doubt the original law needed updating to give them um you know their due, some leeway but this is a drastic rewriting of the principle of innocent till proven guilty and you can i think expect this to be introduced by stealth throughout the west and in wider world watch out for that the clamping down on speech with the state and third party platforms claiming it's for your own good and designed to keep you safe what do you think The technocratical political elite has your interests at heart and really cares about your freedom of speech. Really? Call me an old cynic, but if you want to argue with me, then get in the ring. We can go back to the last 100 years of examples of the... Political elite class not giving a damn about anything that concerns you. From your ancestors being sent to die in trenches for economic wars they did not not understand to... Oh, well, off the top of my head, paid experts taking the stand to convince you that smoking didn't cause any harm to... Look, the list is endless. You know it is. So they, in my opinion, will continue to silence the big voices, the dissenting voices, distract, obfuscate and confuse, stoking the culture war in order to distract people... And people say, ah, the hate speech law is only a procedural thing. It won't be implemented. Well, you know, I hate to be that guy, but I would refer you to that podcast again. As I said, democracy is not the default state um, of society because it's not. Most of the history of the world is devoted to tyranny. So so perhaps, you know, a do-gooding minister might think they're doing the right thing, as I observably think many of them do. But many laws were passed that have unintended consequences later down the line And I think it will be coming to a state near you pretty soon. Um, What else can we talk about? Ukraine will keep rolling and become the new Afghanistan. Uh, Sadly, uh, a country I love a lot. Um, And I think that's what sadly what's going to happen and people are going to, um, you know, the U.S. government are going to have to keep justifying why they keep pouring weapons into it or rather selling them um, through the, you know, deep state munitions companies. That's going to keep going. It's going to keep rolling. Um, We've seen the World Health Organization pass a new agreement, which appears to give them control over any new health emergency, which overrides your local government decision making process in dealing, for example, um, maybe a new pandemic or what they class as any health emergency. Not maybe these, you know, maybe these are not dots to be connected for, uh, not connected and, you know, look, you know who I am, how I look at these things. Um, That's what I'm drawn to. Um, But what if in the next few years that might mean um, a move to consider um, the climate emergency um, as a health emergency? You might argue it is. But what if, consider that, and this will give them the rights to, let's say, restrict your movement, your travel, your living radius. Um, I mean, of course, proponents of the law would say I'm being stupid and scaremongering. And believe me, uh, I hope that I am just being stupid. I would love to live um, in ignorant bliss. Please, please, um, you know. And I hope to be wrong. That's the kind of thing that people don't realize. I'm not proselytizing with no, you know, with only the end of one um, side of this to, prom- you know, prom- propagate or promulgate or whatever when you say. What, what am I talking about? What a nonsense of words that was. Um, but you can f- quite easily find genuine World Economic Forum discussion roundtables where they seem to gleefully discuss the idea that every one of us will be saddled with a personal carbon footprint emission score. And that this will essentially control uh, your travel, your movement, and uh, your work. And then consider the noise around 15-minute living cities. Um, I just last night watched a roundtable discussion. You can watch online. It's not in secret where several of these ghouls discussed the idea that augmented reality um, glasses, travel, will be for the poor. And that the rich will carbon footprint trade in order to move, just like major companies do, trade carbon emission tariffs. Now, it's at this point that I must say, um, I have a friend who works in the EU, uh, he works in Brussels, um, far cleverer than me, um, I must admit that, um, who says to me, he goes, you're not wrong, you're often right, but you have to be aware that we do have some laws and regulations and rules that are not sexy and not shared as reals and not... Um, You know, quietly in place to stop this sort of full transfer, this full movement of the European Union into some authoritarian state. And I agree with him. He's right. Of course, they are probably less interesting to talk about and they are not getting, you know, they're not the tabloid red top headlines. Um, Like I've always said, moderate woman says moderate thing is not going to get much clicks. And he always says to me, you know, um, be reasonable with how you consider yourself to be um, played by your own algorithm. And it knows what even you want. It knows what everybody wants, et cetera. Um, and he's not wrong. And so I must sort of, I was going to say bookend, but the bookend is the end of the book, I suppose. The, I must sort of put this as a middling, um, the sort of middle moment in the podcast to say, yeah, I get it. Um, that the full lurch of, you know, all these nation member states into authoritarianism is, you know, it's unlikely, but at the same time, if percentage of it, percentages of it happen, which is what I always say on the podcast, if 20% happen, um, if we do move to digital currency um, and there are restrictions in this and the other, well, that's a 10, 15, 20, 25% move in that direction, right? So, and I think having discussed this long with said friend and um, said more intelligent friend, um, he would say, yeah, that's reasonable. So again, like I say, is that I get it from both sides of the argument. I get it from both extremes and polarities of this tribal, of the tribalism that engulfs society. Because I've always said that I'm politically homeless, whether you think I'm on one side or the other, I ain't. But also that sitting on the fence gives you quite a good view of either side of that plot of land and the two tribes standing on either side. Um, And that's what's happened, is that the extremities of the argument have destroyed the middle ground. And that's what politics is or should be or should aspire to be and that is consensus between these polarities and to not always give the smallest percentage with the loudest voice and the most extreme views and the bullhorn to scream the loudest and that's what the internet is that's what social media is that's what it rewards it rewards the most outrageous comments so people often say to me oh you're fence sitting and i go well okay (laughs) observing observing anyway just to sort of Park that there in the middle of the podcast for those who are giving me, you know, that that little we hate listen or a love listen. Either one. I'm just saying, rein it in. rein those emotions in. Um, Give over to a wee bit of stoicism when you listen to this. And don't take me that seriously. Well, now, where were we? You are the problem. That's something that I think is a recurring theme as we're going to move forward. And we have been moving forward with this for the last five or ten years. Um, you know, you look at the oil companies who created their carbon footprint emission concept. It's a marketing concept um, so that you kind of um, don't view their business practices. Think about these things like, um, think about it maybe like this. Once upon a time, um, huge companies, um, people scrutinized how much are they paying their workers in um, a factory in South America or in the Far East? or in South America. People discuss the minimum wage, people discuss better rights for workers. And if you think about it, that conversation has completely moved to things like um, nebulous terms like equity. Um, and we seem to be more concerned about our own internal social struggles, um, as opposed to thinking, well, I wonder where that company, where are they making that product, and how, what are they paying their workers? This used to be the discussion, a proper socialist discussion, 15, 20, 25 years ago and it leaves you wondering is this part of let's call it the revolution as I've said before by the 1% against the 99% um, but I think what's happening is that there is a move among this elite class to say to say to regular people you have to prove your transparency to us I've said that before that once upon a time um, you know um institutions of governance or huge multinational companies had to say to the people, we're transparent, look, here's our methodology, here's our working practices, we are paying people the proper wage, blah, blah, blah. Now they're saying to you, you, the citizen, prove, prove that you're um, not guilty of this, not guilty of hate speech, not guilty of this other thing. You are being asked to be transparent. Um, Now, of course, if you're you know, uh, part of the 1%. I mean, I hate using these terms, but as I said, they're sort of nebulous and vague. Um, But I think we know what we mean when we say that. Or the government, and you are considering things like deep fakes and AI, Um, this shit is daunting. It is daunting. The Wild West freedom of the internet um, then looks like something that needs to be clamped down and brought to heel, as it might just get very, very, very chaotic. So... A digital structure with which you can unperson someone, shut down their finances for antisocial behaviour, stop them from working, and used, for example, the climate discussion as the emergency needed to implement new laws. Just as an example, but or tie in a form of social credit score which demands compliance, because if you see that the next five, ten years is going to be absolutely chaos, where everyone is going to have the power, as I said, to deepfake everything, and um, just in their phone, in their pocket. You're thinking, how the fuck are we going to maintain? control over the next couple of years why would you not want that or a version of that or say to yourself well we'll have the soft the soft version of that as opposed to the uh, you know the hard authoritarian measures of the hard of governance we'll have the soft version Um, and that we can couch it in language to people that thinks it's in uh, that makes them think it's in their best interest and we can feel better about it on our four-year election cycle, or, um, you know, the, the longer term. Because if someone has outlined the alternative to you um, as a, you know, a, a governmental minister as chaos, you can see how it would be appealing. And of course, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, my friends. Um, and some people, no doubt, think they're doing the right thing. In my opinion, though, to be fair... And to be um, anti-conspiratorial, the world is too chaotic and complex and fractuous for, for there to be possibly a top-down pyramid-like structure. It's in our nature as human monkeys um, to search for an, o- an overarching narrative and not comprehend we are on a rock hurtling through space with no particular purpose. We want a need narrative, and we want, and when we have them, we aggressively guard them. I alone understand. You don't get it. You don't get it. And rather than reconcile our differences with people who are not aligned with this secret that we have, we fight them. That's in our nature. And um, But to me, at least, that's just how the world is. There is no overarching narrative. It's too complex and chaotic for that. And um, yet, of course, to be fair, I'm not saying every polit- politician is in on some Machiavellian plot. Some top-down pyramid structure, like I said. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, of course, of course not. And it's a lazy accusation, normally something that's thrown out there that's based in laziness and a form of kind of like, um, you know, prejudice, to be honest. Eh, But but in fairness, I also have to put the other side of the argument, and it is fair to say there often are edicts, there are treaties, there are bad actors, there are secret hidden actors moving behind the scenes agencies that influence politics, that influence political structures, and there are, let's say this, that there may not be one particular pyramid structure, but many, multitudes of them, I suppose nodes in a network, you would say, and very often they um, align and they have um, the same You know motives and objectives, and very often they don't. I mean, look—the twentieth century is characterized by the battle between um, capitalism and communism. You would say there was, you know, fascism, communism. There was lots of um, opposing points of view um, trying to enforce um, themselves upon the world. I do think it's naive on some level to say there's just one pyramidal—I keep using that word—but structure, um, which there cannot be. But at the same time again to put the other side to say it is completely benign is of course also untrue and that there are of course um ideas cooked up in some backroom somewhere by some secret um agency some cia or some fbi or whatever you want to say some cia agency let's say and then they go well if we do this it will influence this and maybe this can influence um this can influence society and you know i mean look uh, i'm sure Uh, We saw many of those things during lockdown. So to give everything its due, of course, the truth is again lurking somewhere in the middle ground. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that in the sort of universal sense that all of the best laid, the best made plans, um, these top-down edicts can be derailed by one man or woman with a gun or a bomb strapped to their back and Everything is then thrown into chaos. That there's always some unforeseen law, of unforeseen rule of chance that just derails uh, many of these structures. And that history is just an endless cycle of those with people trying to manipulate um, all of those events. Well, if that makes any sense. Uh, not really. Anyone seen Succession? Um, of course, I'm late to the game and I'm not watching it while everybody else is watching it, but now I'm storming through it, and it kind of sometimes feels like a documentary, right? But the truth is, I think, that not every intention is malicious, and it can also be foolhardy or incompetent. Um, You know, some, not all, but a percentage, of course, is. And again, the mantra, nothing is black and white, always grey, always nuanced, always contextual. Um, I think the Palestine issue is going to open huge divisions in the West and frame um, the migration of Muslims to the West in a kind of, um, you know, in a kind of stark way, as I think many people on the old left were surprised at the level of what they saw as anti-Semitism, which came to the surface over the attacks on January 7th. Um, This is going to, January the 7th, what am I talking about, October 7th? (laughs) Mixing up my my dates, Um, you can understand, in my frail frame of middle-aged mind, But what I think we have now is um, a protesting class who every year or every six months will move on to a new thing. Um, It's very odd, but it's a sort of, it got sort of, um, it came to fruition. It was magicked into will during lockdown. And I think that we now in this ever atomized world where people are uh, so alone and lonely, activism is a community. And on some level, uh, I understand it. You have a goal name a community of people supporting you a feeling of belonging and the complicated paradox of seemingly being on the same side of the fence as um jihadists who might wish you death can be broached and crossed by um you know by by the new i hate to call them the woke kind of left but it's it's i think that in an as i say in an atomized society where people are searching for meaning they can um you know l- overlook certain things that they might seem as contradictions, inherent contradictions. And it's that um, cognitive dissonance that we've fully embraced. Um, and it doesn't really matter because you're part of a movement. You have belonging. You have um, you have purpose. And in a world where you're told constantly you have none, I can understand how interesting that is and more appealing that is. And look, you might be out there thinking, oh, I'm a fucking idiot or conspiracy guy, or right or left. Well, I'm not. And you might think, well, good if the side I disagree with cannot protest due to these restrictions. But make no mistake, it will eventually come for your side of the argument eventually. You might sneer at working class people out protesting, vaccine mandates. But what if the state decides enough is enough? No Palestine marches for you or whatever it is that you care about. Um climate or many, many things. There are so many things to care about. Uyghur Muslims, your um, you know, Falangong or whatever. I just happened to walk down the street earlier. Um, in Dublin city centre and see a protest about, um, you know, Falun Gong. Um, That's probably a trigger word on YouTube that will get this, um, you know, um, well, look, I haven't got the views to be shadow banned, as they say, but um, there are so many things to choose your community from. And what if the state decides, well, not for you. I return to my original point. We need to ditch the tribal nonsense, take from column A and B and C and D, whatever makes sense. Or, you know, you can also not have an opinion. We don't n- need opinions on everything. <laughs> the irony of that is not lost on me, believe me. Um, I'm, and I'm sure there's people listening going, just return to singing heavy metal songs and shut up about this. The day may come soon um, where I just go, you know what? Uh, everyone's had enough of me. I need to disappear and live on Kong Island for a little while. Um, What I think, I think we will see the banking system uh, try and introduce central bank digital currencies, which is one of the most obviously authoritarian measures there is, your money, and what you do with it is your freedom. Um, But if cash disappears and replaced with a digital currency, the question has to be asked, um, are you telling me that the state and the banking system won't resist the urge to program this currency with parameters? Really need to ask yourself that. Mr. Averill, you've taken too many flights this year. Mr. Smith, you are eating too much meat. Um... Mr. Lynch, you have drunk too much for your own good. Um, Isaiah Berlin had this concept of negative and positive liberty. Um, and I'm probably going to butcher it now, but take, for example, alcohol. It is your freedom um, and right to do as you wish to drink yourself to death, if so be it. That is an example of negative liberty. Um, It is your liberty to do something that destroys you. And that's something I think that is lost in the, kind of the, the conversation in modern society. Positive liberty, I think we know what those things are. We don't necessarily, you know, democracy or voting or whatever. Um, negative liberty is, it's up to you if you want to, um, you know, do all of these um, negative things. And I think that that's something uh, that needs to be looked into again. If you transgress from the system for, let's say, hate speech, maybe then your digital currency freedoms are trimmed. Maybe, maybe you're thinking that is over the top, but I don't think it's an illogical concept. I mean, Rishi Sunak, the prim- Prime Minister of England, has been pushing hard for this. And you think he is your interests at heart? He's worth 700 million euro. Let that sink in. Um, damn, Avril, you sound like a Marxist. Well, you know, if the hat fits, or rather, I have many hats. Um, today I should be wearing a different one. Actually, I quite like, when you think about it, our boy Lenin. I was like those kind of Lenin little military hats. I mean, anybody who knows me knows me. I always wear a hat. Um, I'm a man of um, many hats. I should have been a milliner, all things told, a Victorian milliner. Um, well, my name would have been Dreary Decor, perhaps. Anyway, um, I, you may say, oh, you sound like a socialist. Well, yeah, in this context, absolutely. But I certainly think we are witnessing a relative stripping of certain individual freedoms and liberties over the last five years. And I think it is unprecedented. And you know, the next emergency, do we have any, what, what's your bet? What do you bet on? A cyber attack? We're, they're sort of prepping or warning us about this, or an even, um, an even greater, you know, a pandemic with an even greater virulence. Um, but a cyber attack that maybe crashes the banking system and then a hard reset is the central bank digital currency. Maybe. I mean, I can't see how the world won't be plunged into chaos with that. But you know, um, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, the Irish health system was hacked into by Russian hackers and they just brought down the entire system. And as I understand it, it's still relatively down, even though the code was sent to fix it. I think the Russian hackers somehow took um, pity on us and our um, Windows 98 version of, um, you know, uh, our internal digital structure within the health service. So it's an example how simple it could be. Um, How simple simple it could be if everything is hacked into to be shut down, which makes, um, when you think about it, it makes the idea that we should all be, you know, uh, putting everything in our lives into, uh, you know, a small little digital wallet or digital ID kind of insane that this could be literally if somebody hacked into a country, a small country like Ireland went, you know what? You all can't use Revolut, you know, this um, digital banking system, to buy anything. And they crash Revolut, or they crash many things, you know. Um, even, I mean, the, the internet itself, the idea that if you have no connectivity, you have no life, it just seems I mean, just logically it would strike you as, that's kind of a bit maybe crazy, isn't it? Well, anyway, what are the bets on the next emergency? Because um, I think that somehow we're going to lurch from one to the other. I think the control of food production is going to be a big thing running under the surface as the state tries to um, state, try to Control or move farming. I mean, I'm not, obviously, I'm not an expert in that kind of thing, and it might be scaremongering. Some of you might think that, but looking at some of the protests that are happening in Holland and Germany, and also there's been protests in Ireland about um, the um, closing of small farms. I mean, collectivized farming. (laughs) When did that ever go wrong before? Hmm, let me think, Mr. Mao. Anyway, is it any wonder we have less and less faith in institutions to return back to the beginning? How does this get fixed? I mean, look, the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. If you wanted the sunny, uplifting version of the podcast, then you're going to have to uh, trust in your string theory and find the other universe where there's a different me um, Toya, you know, sunny delight or whatever, talking about all of the beautiful things he sees happening in the next 12 months. But that's not really my style. Um, it's very hard to say, but it would appear to me that simply switching some of it off, getting off Twitter, getting off Instagram, stopping debt scrolling, get out in the fresh air and run around. Hey, Elon, switch it off is the answer. But living off the grid these days is almost impossible. And as old methods of work disappear, um, how people make a living will change. It's increasingly online. Of course it is. And you come back to what I just said, where someone can just turn it off they could t- quite easily turn me off. Oh, God damn, you think that may be um, a beautiful, a beautiful concept. Um, but like I said, no, I'm, of course, aware that those of you that are hate listening or would simply prefer if I said nothing, I don't like the idea that I'm somehow promoting what you would see as bad faith ideas. But is that really true or is it just tribalism speaking? What I'm saying is to be sceptical of the motives of the rich and powerful, um, my dear Lenin. Um They aren't on your side, and history is on our side if you want to take the other side of the argument. Freedom of speech is essential, and it should be non-negotiable. And once you lose it, you don't get it back. Democracy is not the default setting of society. And now I leave you in the competent hands of the band that has sponsored uh, this week's podcast, and that is Winthrow. Take a listen as we move forward. All right, my friends, live long and prosper.
1: De allra flesta ägda skulle såsyn Och räcker sina ryggen i huvud Vi får så strömmat utsträckna Redan och döds Finner vi svåga Hur kommer den krisen? Hur kommer det kommer? går?